get the beta king. Weekdays, noon to 3 on ESPN New Hampshire Radio. Yes! Yes! And streaming live on ESPNNHradio.com. It's Christian and King. Questions before we proceed. Final hour here, Christian and King, ESPN New Hampshire, streaming live on ESPNNH.com. Nice to have you with us today. I should say with me, King had to leave. So uh, just me for the rest of the evening here. Well, till 3 o'clock anyway. And then it's uh, my man Jimmy Murphy and the stretch run coming your way at 3 o'clock till 6 p.m. And then if you keep it right here on ESPN New Hampshire, we will be carrying this game tonight uh, as it is going to be on ESPN TV. And, of course, you're on ESPN Radio. So keep it on ESPN NH all day and night. There you go. A um, <clears throat> couple of things I wanted to get to this hour before we jump back into the Patriots-Ravens. And that was some of the tremendous post-game, uh, post-game sound we had yesterday. As I was saying, yesterday in the NFL... Saw a lot of desperate teams doing desperate things on the field. The Washington Redskins. The Denver Broncos. The Titans. All teams desperately trying to hold on and stay in this playoff picture. And they were getting dirty out there. Steelers and Bills, same thing. Cardinals and Dolphins, same thing. Any team yesterday that was playing that had a uh, that had a prayer left still for for the playoffs was out there doing things that maybe they weren't doing in the first weeks of the season. Late hits, low hits. It was it was noticeable, and it led to some tremendous exchanges at the end of the game. We'll start with Pac Man Jones who was tasked mainly with uh, providing coverage against Terrell Pryor, the Browns wide receiver, former quarterback from Ohio State, who who didn't do much. He had one catch for three yards. And after the game, they asked Pac-Man Jones about him. Take a listen. I'm saying all this facades, all this fake hard that he play out on the field. That ain't ain't Terrell Pryor. I checked his background. He's a, a suburbs kid from Pittsburgh. First of all, hilarious diss right there. I checked his background. <laughs> I ran an instant checkmate background check on Terrell Pryor. I'm saying all these facades, all this fake hard that he play out on the field. That ain't that ain't Terrell Pryor. I checked his background. He's a, a suburbs kid from Pittsburgh. Ouch. All right. Go on, Pac-Man. I know you talked about it, Adam. What, Garbage. What did that start with right there, Terrell? Garbage. There you go right there, man. Oh, there you go. Right there. Right there. You right see him there. in there? Oh, right there. You better find him somebody to play with. Is it him saying basically he could Garbage. <laughs> Garbage. All right, Adam. Aside from Terrell, how big is it for you Garbage. Guys? I ain't talking about nothing else. I'm happy we won. All right, cool. Terrell Pride, garbage. Nice. That was some good stuff right there. So, Pac-Man, what do you think about... Garbage. Okay. Is Terrell Pryor Garbage. Even... Okay. 
What's all that stuff uh, on the ground next to your locker? Garbage. Oh. What's your favorite band from the 90s? Garbage. I like that band, too. Think I'm paranoid, Shirley Manson, good stuff. And I thought that was probably the best we were going to get. Oh, contraire, mon frere. Because Aqib Tlaib got into it with uh, Harry Douglas. And we talked about this a couple hours ago. In case you missed it yesterday, uh, Harry Douglas, Tennessee Titans. I remember him on the Falcons. He was like the third guy behind Jones and Roddy White those years. Uh, now he's a Tennessee Titan with Marcus Mariota. Doesn't get the ball very much. And uh, at some point, I don't remember when in the game it was, he was in one-on-one coverage against Chris Harris. Or it might have been a run play anyway. And uh, Douglas got basically almost into a four-point stand. Like he, he you know, bent at the waist and just went straight after Harris Jr.'s knees. Like right into him. Like got down on all fours and just boom, right into him. While they were standing next to each other. It wasn't even a high contact play. It wasn't like... You know, a heavy block was even needed. And they weren't near the ball. They weren't near the play even. And so he goes low, hits Harris. Harris sort of flips over. He's on the ground. He left the game, ended up coming back. The very next play, Aqib Tlaib takes uh, Harry Douglas to his own sideline, to the Tennessee sideline, slams him onto the ground, tries to take his helmet off, and basically just kick his ass. Now, unfortunately, he did this on the Tennessee sideline, so the rest of the Titans came and basically tossed him around, took his helmet off, slapped him around a little bit, and then threw him out of there. Aqib Tlaib, however, was undeterred, and after the game he said this. It was a dirty play by a sorry player. He don't do nothing. He come to the game, don't catch no passes. He come to the game to chop guys from the back, and he got the same agent as me. So when I see his ass in Atlanta, I'm going to beat his ass. Awesome. Same agent as me. When I see him in Atlanta, I'm going to beat his ass. With a play like that, uh, you saw Chris go down, and it turned out bad, but it could have been a lot worse. Yeah. I'm sure that really irritated Yeah, it don't, it don't matter how I went. He tried to do something dirty, so that's why I'm going to beat his ass. You're not worried about, obviously, fines? Something nah. Like that type coming? Mm-mm. I'm not worried about fines. That's Aqib Tlaib. Aqib Tlaib is not and has not been worried about anything ever in his life. <laughs> I was talking about this last night. Some kind of year for Aqib Tlaib. He wins a Super Bowl. He shoots himself. Has sort of an up and down season, and now here we are at the end of it with uh, with all this going on. Garbage. <laughs> now my question to you out there, audience, is this: What was the better post game post game uh, remarks? Pac Man Jones. Garbage. Or keep to leave, threatening to throw Harry Douglas a beat down in real life when he sees him in Atlanta. I'm having a hard time deciding. I like them both. I really do. Part of me is leaning towards Pac-Man a little bit because not only do we have this great drop, garbage, but we also have him going off about how he did a background check. I'm saying all this facades, all this fake hard that he play out on the field, that ain't that ain't too real. I checked this background. He's a a suburbs kid from Pittsburgh. I don't know why, but that just cracks me up. He's a suburb kid from Pittsburgh. Like that's the worst. <laughs> suburbs of Pitt. Why didn't you say so? You put it like that, how could anyone possibly ever respect this guy? Garbage. <laughs> I don't know why, but I, that part made me laugh. But Aqib talking about, you know, he doesn't catch no passes. It was a dirty play by a sorry player. He don't do nothing. He come to the game, don't catch no passes. I mean, that's, that's good stuff, too, there. 
I don't know. I don't know who to give it to. Pac-Man or Tlaib. I'd say it's a tie, really. When you have two virtuoso post-game performances like that, you got to just appreciate it. It's not all about ranking everything all the time. You know, it doesn't always have to be number one, number two, number three. We can just say they were both equally. Um, both equally garbage. No, not both equally garbage. I'd say they were both equally good. <laughs> I enjoyed both of them immensely. Uh, so there was that. Notice how it's always corners and uh, defensive backs. Or sorry, corners and wide receivers. How they always seem to have those. You know, those public feuds. It's it's It always seems like that for whatever reason. Football is a team sport. But the one-on-one aspect of it that people notice the most is when a wide receiver and a and a cornerback go, go at it like that. I mean that's how it is, you know. These are the for football, and that's I think that's why it, it is this way. Football, for the most part, there's some one-on-one matchups, but for usually all the all the parts have to be moving at the same time, even on the line. Okay, on the offensive and defensive line, bunch of one-on-one matchups right there. But it's the whole line going against the other whole line. You have to block that guy. But if even if you block that guy, if the guys next to you aren't blocking their guy, doesn't matter. Plays over. In a situation where the ball's in the air and there's two guys running down the field, two of the fastest guys on the team probably, running down the field, both with, you know, visions of, of catching it and taking it away from the other guy. About as close to a one-on-one, you know, one-on-one experience as there is in, in football, I would say. Quarterback has the ball. There's a bunch of guys trying to tackle him, but it's not one-on-one. The only real, true, one-on-one football play is the ball in the air and a wide receiver and a defensive back running down the field trying to trying to fight their way to it. Right? Is there an, I'm, Maybe I'm missing one. I'm, and I don't count blocks on the line. Even when you need one guy to make one block, you still it, it depends so much on the other guy's blocking. When that ball is in the air, it only matters to that one receiver and that one defensive back. And I'm not talking about when they're double teamed or when they're in a zone or whatever. I'm talking about when it's a one-on-one matchup for the ball. That's really the only play like that in football. And it really is the best measure, I would say, of is this player better than that player. You could say, well, Von Miller's better than Marcus Cannon or Nate Solder or whoever it was in Carolina that was getting beat by Miller all those times, and you're right, but... You know, there's something a little different about that and and a, a defensive back and a wide receiver running down the field, going for the ball. That's a different thing altogether. Garbage. But uh, <laughs> it's it's funny how it's always, you know, Tlaib, Pac-Man, the most outspoken guys. And Tlaib was outspoken when he was here in New England. And he played damn well here. He played some good football here. His biggest problem was getting hurt. Not anything he did or didn't do on the field. When he was on the field, he was excellent. He could switch from wide receivers to tight ends. He could body anybody. He could keep up with anybody on on, on the ground, foot speed-wise. On very rare instances where you saw him actually get burnt by someone you know, in a, in a foot race. Didn't happen very much. 
Aqib Tlaib is a good player, and he still is. But he's also kind of an a-hole, bit of a punk. Pac-Man, too. Harry Douglas, too. Not, not anybody really came out of this Sunday looking, looking all that great. But frankly, when you get to this point in the season, I don't care that much about looking great. I care about winning games. I care about making a statement. I care about showing the rest of the NFL, yeah, we're the Patriots, and yeah, we haven't had to really play anybody this year, but we're still the best team in the, in the AFC. And if anyone wants to come and try and take it from us, here we are. Right here at Gillette Stadium. Baltimore, come on in. You know, let's see what you guys got there with your seven wins over in the north. You know, let's see how you do when you play a real team. Thing is, the Ravens are going to be saying that exact same thing. They're going to be saying, all right, Patriots, let's see how you do against the real team. We saw you against Jared Goff and Ryan Fitzpatrick and Colin Kaepernick. Let's see you against Joe Flacco. See how that grabs you. You played a couple of defenses. You know, a couple of pretty good defenses, Seattle, and you did well against them. Let's see how you do against this Baltimore defense. Let's see how you do against a desperate defense that is going to be doing whatever they can to take as many of your guys out as possible. And don't think they won't. That's Baltimore's M.O. anyway. And it seems as though, not always... But for a time, anyway, seemed like Baltimore was really able to leverage that into an on-field advantage. I'll still never forget Bernard Pollard coming up and hitting Stephen Ridley so hard that Ridley was out cold on the field. Fumbled the ball. Uh, Chandler Jones's brother, that big fat boy there on the line, um, what's his name? Arthur Jones, maybe? Yeah, Arthur Jones picked up the ball, started dancing away with it. Remember that? I want to say that was in, uh, I forget what year that was. But it was a devastating hit. 2013, that's what it was. Yeah, you had uh, Ridley break into the break into the secondary. Here, I got the play right here. There's the handoff to Ridley. He's hit the head, he's laid out, the ball is out. He was robbed by Pollard. And is recovered by the Ravens. And Ridley is flat on his back. Yeah, he's trying to get up. And that, that was the game right there. <laughs> that was it. 2013, Bernie Pollard <laughs> taking you out. It's funny, when you go on YouTube and look up Bernard Pollard's best plays, it's all highlights of him hurting Patriots. <laughs> it's him, you know, putting Stephen Ridley in a chalk outline there in that, in that game in 2013. Or, uh, you know, him and Brady. Or that time he jumped on Gronkowski's back and tackled him like a, like a gazelle. Like a lion chasing a gazelle down. And, uh, and hurt him there. That's his, that's his whole career. That was Pollard's whole career. <laughs> funny how that works you know and I don't think necessarily that the Ravens are that kind of team this year they're still good they're still a, a strong defense and, and, a, and a team that you look at and think okay a lot more physical than most of the teams the Patriots have played so far this year a lot more 
But mm, I don't know. Sure seems to me like there is a I don't want to say a real difference between this Patriots team and, you know, 2014 or even last year. But it does seem like there's something not quite there. It does sort of seem like there's that missing piece that the the really great Patriots teams of the last 15 years have had. And I'm not just talking about the ones that won Super Bowls. I'm talking about, you know, teams that were just, you looked at them and thought, man, that team's good. If they lose, it's going to be because someone really upsets them. The Patriots lose tonight. I won't consider it an upset. The Patriots lose tonight and next and this Sunday to the Broncos. I won't consider either of those two games major upsets. Yeah, I know that they're favored in, in Vegas and everything, but I, you know, would, would that be an upset if they lost tonight? Those great Patriots teams, when they lost any game, you thought, oh my God, what an upset. I don't think that about this team. And I look at the Ravens, and I look at guys like Steve Smith, and I look at guys like Suggs and Elvis Doomerville and Eric Weddle back there in the safety and those cornerbacks they have too. Uh, Smith and, and Wright and Ladarius Webb, who they moved to safety a couple years back. And I think those are some guys who will, who will take it upon themselves to try and send a message to these Patriots receivers and running backs and anybody who's you know gets in their way and who they have a free shot at. They are going to make their presence known. They are going to run right up and and punch the Patriots in the face tonight. I believe that is going to be their game plan. That is going to be their M.O. If there is a chalkboard in Jim Harbaugh's office, I think number one thing at the top, punch the Patriots in the face. Historically, that's how you beat them. Historically, that's how it's done. And they have a couple of players who are capable of playing that way. I'm not sure the Patriots do. I'm not sure the Patriots assembled a team in 2016 that's necessarily equipped to get into a street fight. And I only say that because they haven't had to yet this year. But the fact that they haven't had to tells me that they're not necessarily accustomed to that sort of game. And when you're not accustomed to that sort of playing style and you sort of go along with your San Francisco 49ers and your Rams and your Jets and the Steelers with no Roethlisberger and, you know, the rest of the teams that they played this year, sort of seems like that's an easy thing to forget. When's the last time you were out there really, you know, trading blows with a team that wasn't afraid of you? The the Seahawks? Yeah, that was a good game with the Seahawks, but it wasn't a street fight. That was a high-scoring game. Scored 55 combined points in that game. It was 31-24 was the final score. That's not a street fight. A street fight means there's turnovers and sacks and penalties and all that sort of thing. I mean, that, that, that means it's hard to get in the end zone. That means the defense is really clamping down. That, those are the street fight games I'm talking about. The Seattle game wasn't one of those. Neither team hardly punted at all. It was just, boom, back up and down, one after the other. It was up and down football, which I like, by the way. I'm not saying I have a problem with that. I love games like that. But I don't think that's what this game tonight's going to be at all. I think this game tonight is going to be uh, haymakers going back and forth. Or at the very least, I think it's going to be haymakers coming from Baltimore. We'll see if the Patriots counter with their own haymakers or if they try something else. 
Maybe they'll go, you know, all Floyd Mayweather, try and get technical. You know, can't hit what you can't see, that kind of thing. Because, honestly, outside of Dante Hightower, maybe Malcolm Butler, who on this defense do you think can, can, deliver, can deliver a message to someone like Steve Smith or any other wide receiver, anybody on that team? Who on the offense is going to stand up to Terrell Suggs? These are questions I think uh, we're all going to find the answers out to, and we better hope that someone answers those questions. Otherwise, it could be a long night at Foxborough. 603-883-9900 is the phone number, 883-9900. You can text in at 845-827-1250. Quick break. We'll be right back after this here. It's Christian and King. Garbage. Give these guys a call at 603-883-9900. It's ESPN New Hampshire. Celebrate twice the holiday season with Metro PCS. Right now, switch to Metro PCS and get two free Samsung Galaxy On5 smartphones, sales tax not included. Plus, Metro PCS is on the 4G LTE T-Mobile network, so you'll have the nationwide coverage and fast speed to make the most of your two free smartphones. For a limited time, add a line to select plans and get 8 gigabytes of data for only 30 bucks. Swing by Metro PCS and check two free Samsung Galaxy smartphones off your list. Metro PCS, wireless figured out. The 2016 Chick-fil-A Nashua Holiday Basketball Tournament, Wednesday, December 28th through Friday the 30th at Nashua High School South. This year's event features girls and boys teams from Nashua South, Nashua North, Alvern, South, Egan, Milford, Goffstown, and Merrimack, along with special appearances from the famous Chick-fil-A Cows. Games start at 10 a.m. each day, and tickets are available at the door. The 2016 Chick-fil-A Nashua Holiday Basketball Tournament, Wednesday, December 28th through Friday the 30th. More info at nhsportspage.com. It doesn't have to be golf season to enjoy everything the Atkinson Resort and Country Club has to offer. Open to the public seven days a week, Atkinson Resort and Country Club features two restaurants, Merrill's Tavern, a great place to watch sports or to try your hand at virtual indoor golf, and the Stagecoach Grill, serving lunch and dinner daily. The Atkinson Resort and Country Club is also one of New England's highest-rated wedding venues and boasts over 15,000 square feet of conference space. The Atkinson Resort and Country Club in Atkinson, New Hampshire. Online at AtkinsonResort.com. Hi, my name is Jen Kaluti. My husband Sal and I are the owners of Embroid Me in Nashua and Embroid Me in Bedford in New Hampshire. We help companies and organizations promote themselves through embroidered apparel, screen printed shirts, promotional products, personalized gifts, and much more. I invite you to come visit our showrooms conveniently located at 345 Amherst Street in Nashua and our Bedford showroom at 410 South River Road. You can also visit our websites at embroidme-nashua.com or embroidme-bedford.com. My team and I look forward to helping you promote your business. Embroid Me, your promotional marketing partner. Granite State Game Day, Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Everyone's clamoring now for them to trade the pick. The fact remains that you should have just listened to me at the trade deadline. I said then, trade the pick. If you can get the right move, trade the pick. Because you don't know, it could be get it could become more valuable, it could become less valuable. And I think because they didn't land in the top two, it became a little less valuable. Dragon Bender, who played 13 minutes a game in Israel, does not is not attractive to me. Only on ESPN New Hampshire. Hey, it's Dan Patrick here. This time, no talk about trucks splashing through the mud or exceptional low-end torque or, you know, those great soundtracks that stir the soul. No, not in this 60-second word to the wise about the Ram Heavy Duty, a truck that's as essential as a hammer, nails, and tape measure are to a carpenter. This is a machine that doesn't need any extra oomph to get your heart pounding. 
I'm not about to prattle on about capability and durability and nobility and probability or any ability. Nothing like that. Well, I'm not even going to go with it's tough as winter nail or sturdy as a mountain or any other cheap jack low rent hokum because this isn't that kind of thing. No, it's not. This is a truck that simply lets its engine do the talking. And I'm here to talk about one piece of information, and I think you'll appreciate this and understand it. The Ram Heavy Duty can carry more weight than any other heavy duty truck, period. That's it. That's the only message, except for guts, glory, Ram. Hi, I'm Johnny Erickson Tata, and when you hear the word colorblind, what do you picture? Most people assume that all individuals with colorblindness can only see in shades of gray, but that's a common misconception. The truth is, there are different types of colorblindness, each resulting in an inability to see certain colors in the usual way. So, a cherry red looks like an odd shade of blue, and traffic lights appear to be different shades of yellow-green. Yikes! That makes things like driving, especially driving, or cooking, or picking clothes for a job interview, a real challenge. The good thing is, for most people, living with colorblindness is just a matter of making adaptations, such as special tags for clothing and unique prescription lenses. From disabilitycampaign.org, if you think you or your child may have a color vision deficiency, please contact your eye care practitioner to schedule a test. Does your child have dreams? Some babies are born with skid, a serious defect of the immune system. Fortunately, my daughter Cassie was screened, diagnosed, treated, and cured. With newborn screening, Cassie and every child can have a lifetime of dreams. All newborns need to be screened for skid. A simple test may save your baby's life. Jeffrey Modell Foundation, helping children reach for their dreams. To learn more, talk to your doctor or visit our website at info4pi.org. Got it all here on ESPN New Hampshire. Back here, 603-883-9900 is your phone number. Christian and King, Tom had to go. He's got a very important business down at Gillette, as do the Patriots, as they get ready for the Baltimore Ravens tonight. A couple of text messages I want to read. Text board, hot today. Jim Akers in Manchester says, Tlaib wins the postgame sound off. When you announce an ass-beating, you get my vote. <laughs> I I'm with you. I'm still a little torn, but I think that that is uh, that's a good one. Texter uh, in the six oh three saying Jones clearly won. Won the sound the sound off, and it's tough to say he didn't when you have this garbage. <laughs> yeah. After Jimmy Murphy leaves here, uh, usually strewn about the table, lots of garbage. The other day, our uh, bin was overflowing with garbage. (laughs) I'll stop now. So we're split on the text line, basically. It's about 50-50. Between Jones promising the ass whooping and... uh, No, 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 sorry. Jones uh, saying garbage 
and calling out Terrell Pryor for being a suburb kid from Pittsburgh and uh, Aqib Tlaib saying Harry Douglas uh, is a terrible wide receiver and then when he sees him in Atlanta in person, he's going to beat his ass, which is great. And I believe him when he says that. I don't think that Aqib Tlaib just says things just the same. He doesn't strike me as that kind of guy. <clears throat> he strikes me as the kind of guy who's not really worried about anything. You know? He doesn't, he doesn't really get, get bothered by stuff. He's not going to sit there and flip out. But he'll he'll let you know how he feels, you know. It was a dirty play by a sorry player. He don't do nothing. He come to the game, don't catch no passes. He come to the game to chop guys from the back, and he got the same agent as me. So when I see his ass in that land, I'm gonna beat his ass. <laughs> okay, that's great. That's good stuff. He's got to do it now too. I don't know if it's a great idea to telegraph an ass whooping that that far in advance. You know, because one of those two teams might make the playoffs. Could be a while before you're both in Atlanta together. That could be plenty of time for Harry Douglas to bring, you know, his, his big brothers or something. Since I think that's how that's how fights still get dealt. You know, well, I'll bring my big brothers. We'll see. We'll see who's going to beat whose ass in Atlanta. It's what me and my cousins used to do. Although we didn't get into a lot of fights, really. That didn't happen until later. <laughs> later on in life. It's going to be a fight tonight. <clears throat> I think there's going to be a lot of penalties. I think there's going to be uh, a lot of uh, tempers running high. I think we'll see probably a couple of big hits. Might even see some players leave the game a lot of guys got injured yesterday a lot of two things happened in abundance yesterday a lot of guys got hurt and there were a ton of interceptions 31 interceptions yesterday or I don't know if that was yes yes just yesterday or yesterday and Thursday it might have been a combination of the two but Something is, it's, I think it all just smacks of the desperation I was talking about earlier. Teams are out there playing desperate football, been kind of a lackluster year. All these teams kind of meddling around, hanging in the middle, records just over 500, especially in the AFC, and the AFC is a bunch of those teams. Houston, Tennessee, Denver now, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, Miami, all of those teams. Just over 500. All fighting for the same two spots. In the NFC, it's a little different. You got the Redskins, the Vikings, the Packers, Bucks, Seahawks. And I guess you'd say the Lions, but the Lions are 9-4. and four. I think the Lions probably have that division sewn up at this point. Which is crazy to think about. The Detroit Lions have won five in a row. And all it took was, you know, their best player retiring before they could finally break through. Well, their best player retiring and Aaron Rodgers deciding to take the year off, that <laughs> that had something to do with it as well. And it's not like they've exactly been, you know, setting the world on fire here, these Detroit Lions. They beat the Bears by three. The Chicago Bears, who were quarterbacked by Matt Barkley. <laughs> exactly. Who? Who the hell is Matt Barkley? 
Matt Barkley went to USC. He was uh, projected to be slightly better in the NFL than John David Booty. And yes, John David Booty was really a guy's name who played for he was played quarterback for USC. John David Booty. I'm not kidding. That was his name. Matt Barkley uh, did a little bit better than him. He's been a backup for most of his years. And uh, yesterday against Detroit, he had a pretty good game, actually. 20 for 32, 212 yards and a touchdown. Against the team leading that North Division. <laughs> Lions still won. But uh, Barkley had a better game than Stafford. And I think that just goes to show that the Detroit Lions, while they may end up, and there's still time for them to blow it here, okay? They're 9-4. and four. They could still lose their next three and uh, finish the season 9-7. and seven. And they have the Giants in New York, the Cowboys in Dallas, and the Packers at home. Those are their last three games. That's tough. That would be a tough way for the, uh, for the Lions to once again fall on their face. But it has to happen. It's just a question of how. So you throw the Giants, Redskins, Vikings, Packers, Lions, Falcons, Bucks, and Seahawks. Those are all the teams in the playoff picture in the NFC. And really the only team that can sit back a little bit, well, there's two. Dallas and Seattle. They're both going to win their divisions. Seattle's 8-4-1. and one. Next closest team's uh, Arizona, who's 5-7-1. and one. Cowboys are 11-2. and two. They've already clinched uh, a playoff berth. But the Giants are only two games behind them. Then again, Dallas doesn't have to play the Giants again, and the Giants are the only team that can beat them. In the AFC, though, there's only one clear division winner, and that's the Patriots. That's it. And even they haven't mathematically done it yet. If they lose tonight... And then lose the next three, and the Dolphins win the next three, then the Dolphins could conceivably win the AFC East. Now, it's not going to happen, but it still maybe could. But since it's not going to, and the chances of that are very slim, let's just say that the Patriots are the only team that knows that they're going to win their division. In the AFC West, you have two teams tied at 10 and 3. In the AFC South, you have two teams tied at 7 and 6. And in the AFC North, the Steelers are 8-5 and five and the Ravens are 7-5. and five. This is when, this is the time of year when things get ugly. Things get nasty on the field. And I'm not just talking about the Ravens, I'm talking everywhere. If you watch a wraparound, I don't know if they're still showing it on like NFL Network today. But like Sports Center last night, after all those games were over, they're doing wraparound, and you're just seeing, you know, hit after hit. Darren Sproles getting erased by that guy in the Redskins with the funny name. Can't remember it now. But uh, <laughs> it was a uh, one of the dirtier hits I've ever seen. I mean, what are you doing? Guy's about to. The guy's trying to return a punt, and not only do you not hold up, 
but I mean, you erase him before the ball gets there. That's that was that was a tough one to watch. The guy who hit him is named DeShazor Everett. Told you it was a funny name, DeShazor. He offered his condolences after the hit, which I'm sure you know. I'm sure Sproles really appreciated while he was in La La Land. But there was that. There was Harry Douglas and uh, Chris Harris and Aqib Tlaib and all that stuff going on there. And overall, there was just a lot of desperate teams playing desperate football, which in some cases led to really entertaining finishes. A lot of close games, a lot of one-score games. That Pittsburgh-Buffalo game was a crazy game. Roethlisberger throws three picks and no touchdowns. And they still win by one score because Le'Veon Bell could not be stopped. Buffalo knew that was all Pittsburgh could do. Every other pass, every other pass Roethlisberger threw was an interception. They knew it was all about Le'Veon Bell. They couldn't stop him in the first half or the second half. And they end up losing, and essentially their season's over now too. The Bills went into that game last night 6-6 six and six, with four winnable games left. Their last games were Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Miami, and New York. New York Jets. They could have won those four games, but nope. They forced three turnovers, three interceptions, and still lose. You don't see that very often. The Tennessee-Denver game. 13-10. I hope you took the under on all these games. Uh, Exciting game at the end. Denver now probably not going to make the playoffs. They have a very tough road at the end here. That Washington-Philly game, all the nastiness of an NFC rivalry matchup you want to see. And the Redskins still fighting for their lives, too. Miami fighting for their life, losing their quarterback. Detroit squeaking by the Chicago Bears. All of these games, Tampa Bay, 16-11 over New Orleans. All of these games were, I think, about as clear-cut an example of what the NFL in 2016 is. There's three or four very good teams. Then there's about mm, 17 teams that are all kind of equal. Maybe that's a little high. Maybe it's more like 15 teams. 15 teams that are all kind of right there. A little bit better than average, a little bit over 500, but not quite good enough to separate themselves. And so we got a week like this where all of these teams, all these division rivals played each other, and the games were all 10-7, 13-10, 16-11, 22-17. That's not a coincidence. Okay, that's the way the league is. And that was a great reflection of it, I think, this weekend. And while I've been bagging on the NFL all year for you know having this mediocre product and these god-awful Thursday night games and Monday night games and really all of them, all, all the primetime games this year, except for you know kind of recently, all the primetime games have been terrible. Either just bad matchups or Thursday games where the teams aren't ready to play or something along those lines. But now that we're in you know now that we're in the in the home stretch and these teams all have a chance. And they're all desperate. I kind of like what we're seeing here. It's pretty entertaining. 
That was an entertaining day on Red Zone yesterday. Wasn't the best football I've ever seen in my life. Lord knows I saw more touch or more interceptions thrown in there was a twelve minute span where I think I saw like eight interceptions. Just popping around one game to the next one. Next game, interception, next game, interception. Same game. Other team throws an interception. I mean it was it was crazy. And that was going on a lot. Desperate teams. All kind of in the same league. And the Patriots got a team against one of those desperate, just over 500 teams tonight. And those teams are pretty dangerous, especially when it's a team like the Baltimore Ravens, who have uh, not ever shied away from giving you a game in your building. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back, find out what's going on with my man Jimmy Murphy in the stretch run, which is coming up next. Uh, And Can I Finish coming up next as well. All here on ESPN New Hampshire. Give him a call at 603-883-9900. It's Christian and King. The Apple Therapy Student Athlete of the Month is brought to you by Apple Therapy. Visit AppleTherapy.com. This is Laura Remillard with November's Male Student Athlete of the Month, Jarouk Hassan from Bedford High School. Can you tell me a little bit about your experience as a senior? This year as a senior has been very crazy football-wise, like winning in an OT versus Merrimack. What schools are you looking at? I'm looking at Northeastern, St. Lawrence. There's a lot of good educational schools in New England. What are you looking to major in? I'm looking to go into pre-med. How excited are you about D1 football state champion. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Our whole team is definitely very excited. It's the first one in DHS history for football to actually come out with a win this year. It's incredible and definitely to be a captain of that team and finally put that banner up. Tell me a little bit about your volunteer work. During the summer I was a volunteer at the LA Hawks. I did a lot of volunteer with the National TV, so like HRC, FBI, part of the National Honor Society goal, so there's a lot of volunteer work that I have to do with them. I volunteer for blood drives and I actually put on a dodgeball tournament last year for the Children's Miracle Network. We donated like around thousand dollars. What inspires you to participate in all this volunteer work? I know a lot of people need our help, though. I just try to get back, try and do my part, and just volunteer my time. Is there anything else that you can really say that you got out of going to school in Bedford? Privilege to play sports here. It's amazing because all the coaches, they really care about you. Coach Stanks, like, I look at him like as my best friend, but when it's time to, you know, put on the pads, then he's definitely there to coach you up, too. So the teachers are amazing. They really care about you. Nominate your son or daughter. Sign up now at ESPNNHradio.com. With six New Hampshire locations, Apple Therapy's comprehensive orthopedic rehabilitation clinics offer convenient access to a wide variety of services. Apple Therapy uses the latest technology and treatment techniques such as trigger point dry needling, active release techniques, running gait video analysis, and Graston technique. Plus, they are networked to most providers and all insurance companies. Apple Therapy is located in Amherst, Bedford, Manchester, Nashua, Londonderry, and Executive Health Club. For more information and access to their video library, visit AppleTherapy.com. This is the famous Budweiser beer, brewed with the choicest ingredients since 1876. 139 holidays strong, decking the halls in an eight-horse open sleigh, aged over beechwood for a crisp, smooth finish. Anyone can jingle all the way. Only Budweiser can macro all the way. Budweiser, this Bud's for you. Enjoy responsibly. Budweiser beer, Anheuser-Busch, St. Louis, Missouri. 
Cam Rogers. According to the Cleveland Plain dealer, coaches are forced to teach RG3, or I'll say refresh his mind on, these three mechanics. One, plant your back foot, then throw. Two, get down, then slide. Three, throw the ball away. Don't take needless hits from the defense. Those are three things that coaches are focusing on. Rather than focusing on the playbook and improving the offense, they have to pretty much reteach these basic components to Robert Griffin III. Saturday at 4 on ESPN New Hampshire. Let's kick into action. Join us, the Hanover High School girls JV soccer team, as we sweat for good while we run, walk, hike, and bike to help kids just like us at the 11th annual Chad Hero presented by Positive Tracks on the Sunday, October 16th on the Dartmouth Green. Yeah, come on, it's going to be a blast. Visit ChadHero.com for more info and to register. Heroes together! You're listening to Christian and King. Stay tuned for The Stretch Run with Jimmy Murphy, only here on ESPN New Hampshire Radio. Garbage. 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 Back here, it's Christian and King, ESPN New Hampshire, streaming live on ESPNNH.com. Nice to have you with us tonight, today, whatever it is. Day, night, it's all the same to me now. Although the sun is trying to uh, bust out a little bit here. What's up, Jimmy? It's almost dusk. That's true. It's dusk. Uh, uh, oh, wow. What do we got here? We have some breaking news. We do. We get that breaking news. Garbage. No, it's not that. Pac-Man Jones. Breaking news from the NFL. The Los Angeles Rams have relieved head coach Jeff Fisher of his coaching duties. Weeks, not even, was it even a week after they gave him the the extension? Exactly. Was it exactly one week? Uh, One week and one day. It's been one week since we gave you a contract. (laughs) One week after, after extending his contract for two years. Just a, a little over a week after he couldn't find the challenge flag <laughs> in his pocket. Or didn't know who the Patriots running backs were. Didn't know who any of the Patriots players. I forget the running backs. I think he was just saying names. Who's I think he was just Tom saying Brady random names. It's a real shame about Rick Gronkowski. You know, that guy, he's a good player. They're really going to miss him. They're really going to miss old Rick. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, the, the Rams have fired him. What the hell is? Why would you do? Th- why would you give him the two-year are, extension? Are not moments like these it doesn't make any sense? That make Patriots fans so happy they have this team to cheer for. I mean, how dysfunctional is the rest of the NFL? Yeah, the Rams just tweeted this the only about thing I, uh, five minutes ahead. ago. Go ahead. No, it's just the, the Los Angeles Rams have relieved Jeff Fisher from head coaching duties. Full statement to follow. That's all it is. The only thing I could think of is that there was this sort of understanding with them. If you don't turn it around this week, you don't, you know, have a better showing, you have a job up top. I bet they keep him up top. They'll keep him in the organization. You think? Yeah, that's what will happen. Because he's been pivotal in that transition into L.A. He's been doing a lot of work outside of football. Management type stuff. Not even like football management. He, just was, like a, he was about to set the NFL record for most losses stuff. by a head coach. You know? Wow. 
So they fired <laughs> just him. Just let him get that. They fired him before he could do that. Have you no heart, Rams management? You never you want to see a man <laughs> achieve his dreams and be all he can be. Poor Jeff. Ugh. I'm surprised. I mean, none of this makes any sense. I I would love for someone to explain to me how you give a guy a two year contract extension after he gets his doors blown off by the Patriots. They get their doors blown off by another good team, and the Falcons not as good as the Patriots. The Falcons are good this year, leading that division. They haven't been good recently. They were good yesterday. <laughs> yeah, they were. They spanked the Rams yesterday. And that's what does it. That's the thing. Lose to the Patriots, two-year extension. Lose to the Rams, you're fired. What am I missing here? <laughs> like, seriously. Well, I've got to be missing something. No, there has the to be a piece of, of this that, I, that, is not, that is not adding this up to me right now. is the way the rest of the league works. I guess. <laughs> Oh, wait a minute. I think there is a uh, full statement now. Let me see if I can pull this up here. Okay, here we go. The Los Angeles Rams have relieved Jeff Fisher from head coaching duties, the team announced today. Uh, Making a decision such as this, especially during the season, is one of the most difficult in sports, (laughs) said Rams owner Stan Kroenke. Uh, Kroenke? Right. I have great respect. the avalanche. That's right. I have great respect for Jeff as a coach, person, father, and friend. He's worked tirelessly despite some challenging circumstances. He played an integral role in helping this team make history returning to Los Angeles. Safe. Really? What that's did he what build? They, I don't know what he did, but that's what they think of him. <laughs> did he build houses for all the players in L.A. for them to live in? Did I he, think he was the one who arranged all the uh, lobster. Did he book all the, the flights? Lobster training camp? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Maybe it was him. He will always be grateful for his commitment and dedication to our organization. What did he really do to move the team to Los Angeles? Did he book the flights? Did he book the hotel? I mean, like, what did he do? I don't know. He coached the team. He would have coached maybe, them wherever they were. Maybe he helped the Dodgers uh, re-sign Kenley Jansen today. That could be. That could be it. However, Cranky goes on, this is the right time to make a change as our performance has not lived up to my or our fans' expectations. We're all focused on improving as an organization and building a team that makes Los Angeles proud. Our mission is to celebrate a Super Bowl title with our fan- fans in L.A. Today is the first step to bringing us closer to that goal. Fisher was hired uh, in 2012. He has amassed a record of 31-45-1 in almost five seasons. Uh, there will be a news conference in about ten minutes, which will take place at the practice facility. And I would love to hear, because you know what the first question is, and it's really the only question anyone wants to know, because we all know why he got fired. You don't have to say, hey, why are you firing him? We know why you fired him. Why did you give him a contract extension last week? Is the question I want them to ask, and then when he answers it, I want them to ask it again. <laughs> I'm serious. I don't think that question can just be answered once. That question has to be answered twice, even if it's asked the exact same way two times. I think whoever is there is going to have to fall on that sword and really look everyone in the eye and say, yes, last week <laughs> we thought this man deserved a two-year contract extension. We thought he was the future of this organization. Six days later, here we are, and we've decided to fire him. <laughs> it's almost like they had like a quota of contract extensions that they had to hit. They you know, but they it. knew they were going to fire him anyway. But they're like, "Ah, we got to do this though if we're going to hit our quota." Just give it to the concessions guy then. You could do that, yeah. Yeah, not Jeff Fisher. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, how about the security? How about you know something else? <laughs> Oh. How about the you know special teams? How about anybody? I mean, really, Jeff Fisher couldn't find his challenge flag. <laughs> he didn't know where the challenge flag was. 
He knew he knew he had it on him somewhere, but he couldn't quite figure it out, you know? Like the, uh, yeah, well, we all know what that's like. Um, what do you got coming up today, Mer? We got you covered for yeah. uh, Patriots, Ravens, and Bruins, Habs. Let's not forget that. That's two, right. Two rivalry games going mm. on, and if you're a Boston sports fan... And uh, we will talk to Brian Wild of we're gonna get wild with Brian on uh, <laughs> CTV Montreal. Get the Habs side of the game tonight. Uh, we'll also talk to Joe Haggerty, Comcast Sportsnet New England. Get the Bruins side. Chris Price of WEI.com. We'll talk some Patriots Ravens as well. Cole Wright of NFL Network and bounce around the uh, the games that were this weekend. And our man uh, Gabriel Morenci nice uh, will help us dissect the game tonight and make some picks. That is, if he is not a uh, Dead after the weekend he had. I don't know if you follow him on Twitter, but man, he looked like he had a good time. This yeah, weekend. did he? Yeah, he's he's definitely nursing a hangover today. So we're going to help him do that here. In Very the good. Run. Good to help. Uh, good to help people out in their time of need. Exactly. Is this a Canadian um, guy? Is he a French speaker? Are you going to? He is originally from uh, the fine province of Quebec. That's very nice. Um, if you need any help looking up, you know, words or whatever to communicate yes. better. I sp- I don't know if you know this. I speak French. I'm serious. I do. Oh, yeah? Tom King always Stop does that knock. French gibberish, but I actually do speak. Yeah, French. I just do the gibberish. Yeah. So if you need any, you know, you need any suggestions, things to say, awesome. I can help you out. Uh, Canadians having a pretty good year. How can we say? Are you hungover? Esquitua devenu fonce day hier soir, which means did you get drunk last night? It doesn't mean are you hungover today, okay. but it means did but you get drunk last night? But their their version of that, yeah. Yeah. Okay. There may be. A, I think there's a word for hungover, but I don't know what it is. Uh, but yeah, if you want to ask him, were you drunk last night? You say, Est-ce que tu es devenu fonce de hier soir? Est-ce que tu devenu fonce de? That means, did, you get, did you get drunk? Uh, hier soir means last night. Hier soir. Yeah. Okay. And that's your French lesson for the day. There we go. All right, uh, let's get to Can I Finish? Here it is. Can I finish? 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 Please, can I finish? I can't answer your question unless you let me finish. Hold it there, cracker boy. I'm not finished. I'm just kidding. I don't speak French. <laughs> no, I actually do. That was a joke. I do actually speak French. <laughs> um, I uh, wanted to do my Can I Finish? Because it's a really romantic story. An Uber driver clocked what is believed to be the longest Uber ride ever this weekend. Janice Rogers took her fare 397 miles from outside of Ben & Jerry's in Williamsburg, Virginia, to Brooklyn, New York. Her rider said she wanted to go see her boyfriend, according to the New York Post. The ride cost the woman only $294. Wow. I would have thought from Virginia to Brooklyn, that would be at least five, probably more than that. 294 that's it? 397 miles? That's insane. Took about eight hours. We should Uber up to Montreal for the game right now. Yeah, according to uh, the 64-year-old Mrs. Rogers, who was the who was the driver, said she didn't take a bathroom break the entire trip. That's gross. She then went back to Virginia, got home around 3:45 a.m. She says, "I was wide awake, kept on going. I don't have a problem driving for a long time. The average ride for an Uber is around 5.4 miles, but she decided to accept the long one because it was an adventure." When she got in the car, the passenger, who Rogers guesses was 19 or 20 years old, says, how far north can we go? Because she didn't have much going on that day. She said she'd take her the whole way. After spending $32 on gas and tolls, Rogers said she only earned about $9 an hour 
for 15 and a half hours work, and the rider did not leave her a tip. I don't think I didn't think you could leave a tip on Uber. You can now. You can now. Yes. Oh, that's good. Uh, she was on the way to see her boyfriend. It's a long way to go. But I was thinking, what's the furthest you'd ride in an Uber? Before you just said, I, I got to get out of this Uber. Would you go? I mean, I don't think I could go more than as one hour. As a passenger or a driver? As a passenger. In an Uber. I don't think I could go more than an hour. You got to go. I got to go where I got to go. I guess. But I wouldn't take an Uber for a distance that long. Not for your lady? Mm, I'd take a bus or something else. I couldn't do an Uber. What if That'd it was an much. Uber X? Maybe in an Uber X. Or an Uber <laughs> pool. Me and a bunch of other <laughs> oh, yeah. people driving to, driving to Virginia. Pick up somebody at every state line. That would be fun, actually. <laughs> that, that could be like that the beginning be of fun. a movie. There we go. Probably like a horror movie, but a movie nonetheless. It's a good movie. I like that. Stay tuned. Jimmy Murphy's coming up next. Uh, For Tom King, I'm Christian Arcan. Talk to you tomorrow. Goodbye. Come experience all the joys of living at Bedford Green. Only steps from the Merrimack River and Heritage Walking Trails, the Bedford Green offers some of the largest floor plans in the area.